0: Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God as people and as purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Isn't it good to be not in church, but to be the church? Come on. Good theology this morning. Just starting off on the right note with you guys. So it's good. It's good to be blessed. It's good to be in worship. It's good to be in God's presence. And it's great to be free. It's good to welcome the guys up the stairs in the first class lounge. Welcome. Hi. We wave. These guys. Don't tell them that you've now got leather seats that recline upstairs. These guys will join you upstairs, okay? Welcome to the economy class downstairs. Great to see you God, Thank you for your humility in sitting on these hard pews here this morning. You're so humble. So, anyway, this this morning uh, I'm going to be preaching, so I'll begin now. I'll move on from the jovality and the silliness into preaching. So, the preaching, the serious part, is about to begin. So, let's bring the verses, the Bible verses, up on the screen this morning. They will appear any second if the video projector is actually working, but which it is. So, can can, can you read that at the back? You can. Does anybody need a pair of glasses or a magnifying glass? Okay. If there's any opticians here this morning, they'll be touting for business saying, could you read that screen? Oh, you couldn't. You want to come for a test? Anyway, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, He withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun, and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near or has come. Now, last week, I was preaching on know who you are and know where you're going. This is from Matthew chapter 4, so this is just following on. Now, in, last week, I was talking about the, the, the mindset how Jesus was baptized by John. He went into the wilderness, and after the, sorry, in the wilderness, he was tested for 40 days and 40 nights, and he went through a horrific trial where the devil tested him and twisted the Word of God, but Jesus retorted with the Word that said, it is written. So, Jesus knew how to handle the Word of God correctly. So, He brought the written Word to defeat the enemy. So, something powerful took place with Jesus in, in, in that moment. And after, after three temptations, the, the devil withdrew, and, and Jesus went on to do great things for God. And this morning, I want to follow that on. Know who you are and know where you're going. But here's the thing. Jesus is about to face incredible obstacles in His life. There might be spiritual. There might be psychological. But He's not just the Messiah, but He's the prophet. He's fulfilling things prophetically. Uh, Messianic prophecies are about to be fulfilled in the verses that we have just read. So, we read about John. Now, he, here's the thing. John, 40 days earlier, John had dunked Jesus. He'd done a Dunkin' Donut thing. He'd, he'd baptized Him. The Spirit of God descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. So, John was in his celebration of his ministry. John was on a high. Hundreds of thousands of people were coming to see him in the wilderness, You know, he didn't set up church on the best street corner, in the best city, in the capital region, in the capital corner, in the marketplace. He went out to the desert. What a weirdo. But it worked because the Spirit of God was with him. So John was led by the Spirit of God. Jesus went out out with uh, the city realms, and Jesus was baptized. He humbled himself to be baptized by John. But here's the problem John faces. Within 40 days, Jesus is tempted, then He's elevated to preach and ministry. Where's John? He's in the jail. Now, I don't want to belittle anybody here that has been to jail, because jails, it, being in prison is a very, very tough, humiliating, and shameful thing. But by the grace of God, these chains are broken. But here's the thing. In John's day, when you were in prison, you were shackled. So, those chains on your ankles or your, your wrists or your neck… I don't know exactly how they imprisoned him, but but he'd be shackled and, and there would be imminent death. People would either die by beheading or die by crucifixion. So the the, the, the imprisonment that John faced was he was probably gonna die. That's where he was at. So he'd been imprisoned and he was in the gallows. So he was in a depressing place. And it said that John will come with the Holy Spirit and fire meaning judgment, but John sends, in this moment, John sends someone to speak to Jesus and ask, are you the one, is there another? <laughs> Talk about John's confidence going, are you the one, or is there another? You see, Jesus preaching was probably too nice for John. Jesus, Jesus you know, John was preaching fire, John was preaching repentance. And he was probably thinking, what the heck, have I baptized the wrong guy? Have I done, have I got it wrong? I'm meant to be a prophet and I'm gonna get stoned because I prophesied and I dunked the wrong guy. And that's what's going through John's mind. But Jesus is a man of mission and a man of confidence as the son of God. So Jesus, Jesus enters regions that have significance. When I was reading this, I was thinking, what's the significance of the regions, but I'm about to unpackage to you what are the significant of, significance of these regions. Galilee is the region of Herod. So, Herod is the guy who has the, the, the governor. Yes, governor. Uh, Herod is the man who's just in, in, imprisoned John. So, so who's, who's overseeing this region of Galilee is Herod. So, listen to this. This is a word for somebody here this morning. Jesus is not running away from His destiny. Jesus is running into His destiny. Jesus is running into problems. Jesus, historically, was killed as a baby by a Herod, and now He's facing a Herod who's just about… who's imprisoned John, is about to behead him. We know that historically Now, But Jesus is walking into that region. What is the matter with Jesus? What is the matter with Him? You know, if you were to take a council of Christians today, and the missionary is about to go into an area where his friend has been imprisoned, and some others have been beheaded, and various things have happened, if you were to take the council of Christians, the council would be, no, we, we feel strongly that you should not go into that region. It is not safe. But guess what Jesus did? Jesus was led by the Spirit of God. And listen, Satan's. it's important that we're led by the Spirit. As we're led in life, as we're led in ministry, which is the whole package of ministry and life packaged together, as we're led in the kingdom of God, it's important that we go where the Spirit of God leads us. Jesus was not intimidated by that place. I'm going to preach to some people here this morning prophetically about some places in your life. Because there's some places where you feel you can't go. But the Spirit of God, by the liberty of the power of the Holy Spirit, we can go to places historically that might mean certain things, and we can overcome it by the kingdom. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. Come on. So, Galilee is a region where Herod it is. So, Jesus is not running away from, He's running into His destiny. Human nature would tell you to stay away, but the Spirit of God is leading Jesus into his prophetic destiny. The preacher pauses for a glass of water. Just for those of you listening online after the event, hence the pause and the gulp. So, Jesus is raised, also Jesus is raised in a place called Nazareth. And, and, and Jesus had to flee, He's born in Bethlehem, he had to flee to Nazareth. And Jesus, when He stands up and preaches there, he, he opens Luke chapter 4 and He quotes from Isaiah 6, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, He gets driven out of Nazareth. So, so J- Jesus, as far as, you know, like His, his preaching ministry is there's, there's, there's something against Him preaching already, so His, his first appointment to preach it's like he boldly preached the Spirit of God falls, but there's like rage against them because it's like, that's Joe's boy. That's Joseph's laddie. What the heck is the matter with him? Who does he think he is? Who are you? Who are you? So, there's this thing against Jesus already, and he's preaching. But Jesus is not put off, thank God, and that's the good thing. So, he leaves his hometown, and he goes to Capernaum, in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali, and it says, I'm going to read to you from Isaiah chapter 9, verse uh, 1 and 2, and it says, "'Nevertheless there was no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations.' by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people in walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned." And this is incredibly powerful, the region that Jesus… where where Jesus is about to go and what He's about to do is prophetic fulfillment from the First Testament or the Old Testament Scriptures. So, sometimes we just read across these things, oh, that's cool, but there's actually prophetic fulfillment. (coughs) what he's about to do. The interesting thing is when we look at… we've heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jacob has twelve sons, and two of the sons are named Zebulon and Naphtali. So, two of his sons become the twelve tribes of Israel, Naphtali and Zebulon. So, they're the sons of Jacob or later on, Jacob was known as Israel. Somehow today we talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but Jacob's prophetic name, or his new name after wrestling with God, was Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. So, it's more apt to talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, because that's the promise. So, maybe we need to change our our language, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. So, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, formerly known as Jacob, seems like prince, doesn't it? The pop star, formerly known as the pop star prince. Israel, formerly known as Jacob, <clears throat> has 12 sons. And the problem with the 12 sons, or the 12 tribes, is a tremendous division within the tribes. <clears throat> In 920 BC, there's a fracture into two kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, or the south kingdom. The south kingdom is Benjamin and Judah, and their key city is Jerusalem, and they get called Judah, and the other ten tribes get called Israel. But you see, the northern kingdom is made up of the ten called Israel, so this is broken up almost a thousand years before the coming of Jesus Christ. So something is taking place in the land. Please hear me, sometimes things take place in the Spirit but it causes an effect on the land. And when Jesus walks in, His footsteps are prophesying to the land. His presence is changing something in the land. There's something prophetic about Jesus' ministry where He brings alignment to the division in Israel and and Judah. He brings a change in atmosphere, and He brings a change in geography as well at the same time. So, something is happening as Jesus takes these footsteps and proclaims these things in this part of Israel. Now, in 720 BC, this is the 700 years before Jesus, the Assyrians ransack and conquer the northern kingdom and subdue them and water down and diminish them. How do they do this? They start deporting people groups and make them intermarry with Gentiles. This new group of intermixed group, caught. this people group, are called the Samaritans. So, you see the significance of Jesus walking into this place. Something, something is taking place. Jesus is walking into Galilee, and it's riddled, and it's full of Samaritans. The something of this people who are a mixed race where they feel the judgments, they feel like historically they've been judged. There's something amiss, there's something wrong, there's something misaligned in, in the race, there's something not quite right, but Jesus is walking into this territory to bring correction to this perception. And how does He do it? Number one, He's fulfilling prophecy, but also by His footsteps. He's shown by His actions and by His sermons something is going to take place that's going to be corrected. Naphtali, I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 8, verse 22. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. What a prophecy hanging, I mean hanging over your life. Imagine being one of the tribe Imagine being in that people group, and it's like, you know these uh, gloom and doom prophecies? Aye, they're about us. <laughs> you know these horrible prophecies in Isaiah where it talks about part of our nation being judged and dispersed? That, that, that's us. That's our history. How the heck are these people meant to process this? You see, human mind, I don't care what race or tribe you're from, the human nature leans on negativity so we'll lean towards interpreting it wrongly. Our emotions will be engaged with, oh my gosh, we are judged. They're summing the matter with us. And racially, racially, some people were persecuting these Samaritans and saying, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? You're of mixed race. You're of no use. You're not called. We're the chosen ones. You're half chosen. In fact, you're not chosen. And it was like condemnation. So, the culture of the time was belittling these people, but in walks the Messiah, in walks Jesus into this difficult, uh, very difficult, dark situation. You see, Israel was rebellious when Assyria attacked. Israel was a very, very rebellious nation, and there was problems in their mindset, there was problems in their actions, and the Assyrians were used as God's discipline on Israel, a lot of Christians don't like to read these kind of verses. They're like, oh, no, that's not for me. New Testament, boy. I don't like the Old Testament. I'll miss out all Scripture. Oh Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and building up and so on and so forth. But all Scripture is God-breathed. So we need to recognize the history of where we've come so we know who we are and we know where we're going. Somebody, somebody help me here this morning. So Christ references back 700 years. Now, in this context, it's like me referencing back to, to Edinburgh or, or, or Paris 700 years old, and talking about the regions. Oh, if I was preaching in Paris today and talking about, I preach amongst you as the region of the Franks or the Francos, people would be like, Who's the Nutter that's come from Scotland? But here's the thing Jesus understood. The Parisians might not, some might know their context, but all these people living in that land knew their history. They understood that things just weren't quite right. There was a fault line. There was something amiss. But in comes the Christ. And the Christ is for all regions, all tribes, all tongues, and all nations. And Jesus, by being present in that region, defeats some mindsets, and people are desperate for hope. People are desperate for reconciliation with God. People are desperate to know that they're not just half-baked, or half a race, or half something. They're desperate to know that they're valued. They're desperate to know that there's a kingdom coming that's beyond regional walls and barriers. And that's what Jesus sets up, is Jesus brings us through a mindset shift, and He brings us into the kingdom. You see, even the disciples, when uh, Jesus was um, ascending into heaven, we talked last week about how how Thomas doubted, but many many of the disciples, the 12 disciples, they asked Jesus, when is the kingdom going to be established? When is Israel going to be established? Their mindset was nationhood. Their mindset was region. They thought the kingdom was a nation. Jesus was saying, my kingdom is coming. My will will be done. My kingdom is not a nation. My kingdom is a kingdom that permeates and goes through every barrier, every form of racism, every form of like or unlike, dislike, every form of of, of thing where any perception where people feel like they're half done or they're half baked, Jesus cuts through that. And he says you're of value because my kingdom is coming and his kingdom is powerful. And I love it when the kingdom comes because when someone responds to Jesus, when someone responds to him, the value of the currency has not been in Scottish or British or European. Sorry to all you European nationalists or your British nationalists or your Scottish nationalists. Forgive me but I'm going to say anyway, your nationalism is not the kingdom. The kingdom of God is what we are to pursue. It might be that God's will uh, unwraps itself in some of these things. Praise Him. But I'm not focused on that. I'm focused in the kingdom because His kingdom is powerful, and it goes beyond boundaries and borders. And that's the great news of the kingdom. So, when we follow Jesus, we're, we're part of A kingdom where Jesus is the king. And the kingdom, I want to preach on some kingdom keys for today. Number one is think rule and reign. Rule, reign, and authority, not region. I just kind of preached that a minute ago, didn't I? But that's point number one. Think rule and reign and also authority. It's kingdom authority and God's power. Number two is think dominion. God the Father has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's man, the manifestation of His kingdom coming in such a powerful way. Like I said, the early church are to move because Jesus taught these early disciples, your kingdom come. They said, Lord, I preached on this once in the Gospel of Luke. It was a game of two halves where... Up until they'd asked Jesus to, you know, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Up until then, the disciples had so much failure. that so much failure. Then when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, then it all started to happen. And when He taught them to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, it was awesome. It was like, wow, the miracles, the manifestations, the disciples were part of it. But then, duh, duh. Jesus is about to send into heaven, when's the kingdom of Israel coming, Jesus? And it's like, duh, guys, come on. You see, it was so entrenched in their thinking. It was so entrenched in their mindset. It was so entrenched in their hearts. They were so focused on the kingdom being manifest in the way that they thought it would be rather than what Jesus was saying it will be. And it's important that our kingdom mindset is His kingdom mindset. So, think dominion. Think rule, reign, and authority. Number two, think dominion. Number three, the kingdom is present-day reality. Jesus is asked when the kingdom of God will come, and Jesus said "It's, it's here. The kingdom of God is within you. So, the kingdom is here. It's present. So, we need to have that kingdom mindset. Often people have what you call a Christian mindset, and we're so Christian in everything that we do, but we need to understand we are serving the Christ who is the King, Christ the King, your kingdom come, your will be done. The manifestation of His kingdom come, which is incredible. Number four is Jesus evidenced His kingship and kingdom on earth 2,000 years ago, but it shows up today in, in, in ministry. It shows up today, not just in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but it shows up today in the power of the Holy Spirit because His kingdom comes over sickness, over laws of creation, over death, and spiritual forces as well. So as we rebuke witchcraft, as we rebuke things that will come against the house of God, as we rebuke and say, Jezebel, no longer will we tolerate you in this place, as we rebuke that spirit from This place from this town from God's people will believe that God's gonna, God is answer, has answered prayer, is answering prayer, will continue to answer prayer because as we preach, as we pray with kingdom authority, things happen and things change for the glory of God. I want to tell you, we're moving in the days where the saints won't mince their words in prayer, we'll pray with increased kingdom authority, and don't mess with the Holy Ghost. Ananias and Sophia ended up dying in the Grace Church. They died in Grace Church, and everybody talks about grace, grace, grace. And I want to tell you, I'm a man of grace. I believe in God's grace, but under the grace in the New Testament church, people who are lying against leaders, lying against the Holy Ghost, where did they end up? Read the Bible. Read the book of Acts. I want to tell you, we need the revere and the fear of God and we are a New Testament church, okay? We're not, we're, we're not a church of niceness. We're a church of, yes, we are kind, we're polite, we're nice to people, we believe in God's grace, but we practice the presence of God. And I want to tell you, when I get in the presence of God, oh my gosh, His holiness is scary. At times, I want to be honest with you, at times, I don't like the presence of God. And you're thinking, some of you are sitting there thinking, that preacher is terrible. He says he doesn't like the presence of God. I want to tell you why. At times, I'm like, God, your holiness is like fire. Your holiness is so strong. And I'm like, God, I'm not sure if I can handle this. And I've got to say, God, change me. I yield to you. I bend to you. And it's tough at times because the the presence of God, when we worship on a a Sunday morning, this is shop window introduction to the presence of God, people. This is just like, hello, this is the presence of God. So we enter his presence, but when you do it privately, oh my gosh, it's wonderful. And we we enter the presence of God, we know his grace, we can feel his presence, we know the worship. But the dealings of God are where we go deeper with God. And when we read the word, it's one of the hardest things. And you say, God, align my life with your word. Let me not manipulate your word to my lifestyle, but let me yield me to you so I'm like you rather than you having to be made in my image. Because that's creating false gods. I don't want false gods in the house of God, do you? Do you want, to, do you want God to just bless you and all that you do? If it's submitted to His will, He will, but we need to be submitted and yield to the presence of God. So Jesus, in these 40 days and 40 nights, yielded to the kingdom and quoted the word with incredible power. So, Jesus, Jesus the evidence of Jesus' ministry is, 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 is people being saved, power over sickness, laws of creation over death, and spiritual forces. Oh, my goodness, His kingdom is coming this morning. Number five, the kingdom of God is entered only one way. The kingdom of God has entered only one way. I know that people are on a journey. I get that. I know that every person is spiritual. I get that. But every person needs to come to the realization and the challenge. And there comes a point, and and it's only the Spirit of God that can bring that conviction. As we read His Word, as His Word is revealed unto us, there's something that takes place that brings a convictional change. And we recognize Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You said it. It wasn't the Apostle Paul, wasn't the Apostle Peter, wasn't it James, wasn't it John, wasn't it Barry, wasn't it Gordon. It was Jesus that said it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's like, man, that is tough. I, I, I'm not sure I, I can embrace that. But here's the thing Jesus is the way to the kingdom. I've given you five keys to the kingdom. The last one, is Jesus. Jesus is the key to the kingdom. And it's important as we as we recognize God's kingdom that Christ is the doorway. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the gate. I'm the gateway. I'm the, the sheep gate. So, so, the only way in is and, and it's through Jesus. And for some people, you think, man, that's so hard. But, but Jesus taught that. Jesus shared that. I remember reading the testimony of a man called Keith Green. He died when he was 28. He led hundreds of thousands of people to faith in Jesus Christ. He got saved in his early 20s, and he'd been through every New Age guru, movement, God, Buddha, all the other gods, Indian gods, all this God, that God. He'd been through every God. And one of the things he realized, he was Grew up as a Jew, but he he was challenged by Christians, by the Jesus movement in the 70s, and I think it was in the the California in the United States. And he was like, everybody's like, because there was so many drugs in these days, folk were smoking stuff and doing whatever they were doing. And uh, he was on a journey, a spiritual journey, and uh, he was like, how offensive. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. How offensive! But he did a stop take on his life and he went through every every religion he was into, everything that he looked at. Jesus was always in the fourth division, in either second, third, or fourth or bottom position. He was always at the bottom. And he realized, why is he there if he's such an important? And he began to read the Bible for himself. And as he began to read the words of Jesus, something, something took place on the inside of him you see, a kingdom key is to read the Word of God for yourself. So many people read things about what people said about, 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 about the Bible. So many people have mocked the Word of God over the years. In France, there was uh, people who mocked the Word of God, an atheist, and he, his house was eventually turned into a Bible printing press. And, and it's like, don't, don't mock the Word, People have tried to mock Jesus for centuries, but there's more and more people believing in Jesus today than ever before. So there's something significant significant in Him, and it's His kingdom come. Listen, so many people live as Christians today, okay? It means that you're a believer in Jesus. Congratulations, step one. But very few live under the King, the kingship of the Christ. To be a kingdom Christian means that you walk with Him, you obey His Word, you do what He says, and, and, and you're led by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be a kingdom saying, thy kingdom come. When I walk in a room or you walk in a room, do we, do we kind of slink in or do we walk in saying the King is with me, Jesus is with me? Now, either people will start manifesting, something will happen, but the King is with you. So, His kingdom come His will be done in you and through you for the glory of God. Some of you have got a religious mindset here this morning. And you just, all you need to do is repent. Just repent. I'm serious. Just repent and say, God, I'm sorry for having this mindset that's so small and so religious. And it's on my terms. But I want want to yield to you this morning, oh God, and say, let your kingdom come and your will be done. You know, you ever seen a blocked drain pipe where there's a hole at the top and the drain gets piped and the water spouts out, and it happens to land on your front door, and you're like, you're trying to duck, in, try to duck this water as you get in the front door, and and it's blocked. The blocked drain pipe is obvious. There's obviously a block. It's not obvious until it reaches that hole, that point where the water begins to spit out but here's the thing. Some of us are blocked here this morning. We need unblocked. And the blockage is you, and it's me. I'm, the, re, the only reason I get blocked is because, because of Gordonisms. And it might be sin. It might be leaving the enemy, but I've got to take responsibility for the block. Come on, His kingdom come. His will be done. Are you blocked, or are you a full vessel without the kingdom has just flown through you? I've met so many people who are Christians who after many years have said, you know what, I I was a Christian for so many years and it wasn't until I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit or I truly repented and I realized that I can walk freely in Christ. And, And a lot of Christians don't experience that freedom in Jesus Christ. Come on saints, let's walk in that freedom today in Jesus' name. So, The message today, I forgot what I even preached on this morning, but it was these places. Don't let these places, don't let that place dictate to you. Jesus could have allowed fear to have come in and said, you know, John's there. Now, John's there. The reason John's in jail there is because of Herod, and Herod's the big gun, and Herod's going to kill me if I go into that region, but Jesus was led by the Spirit. And by being led by the Spirit is such a crucial thing. Do not fear anything or anyone. Just be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in the power and the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. We're going to worship. If anybody here need, today needs to repent, you've got a choice. You can do it privately, which is cool, or you can do it publicly and just come to the front and just say, I want to repent. I want to repent of, of being, in, being in the steering wheel of my life, and I want Jesus to take the steering wheel on this day. You heard that country and western song, Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> You've heard it, haven't you? You don't like it. Do you like it? Oh, no, not sure. Okay. Anyway, it was a country. There's two types of music in America. There's country and there's western. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Anyway, there's… Uh, and it wasn't that funny. So, anyway… Um, Jesus take the wheel. It's the whole thing of Jesus, you're in charge, and, and, and I want your lordship and your, and your kingship. And there's two ways of repenting. One is privately, and the other is publicly. If you want to repent publicly, just come out. There's are you coming out? Are you getting ready to get the pulpit? I thought you guys were repenting publicly. You're just coming to take the pulpit when I depart from the stage. I don't mean go to be with the Lord. I mean step down from here. So, this morning… We, 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 we want to pray in all seriousness. And some of you need a mind, mindset shift. There's, there's some people where, I want to tell you here this morning, the Spirit of God can lead you back to a place where you've dreaded going before. And you said, I'll never go there. I cannot go there. But here's the thing His kingdom come, His will be done. It may be a place where you got bricked, you're nearly bricked to death by people. It might be a place where you're abused, you're secretly abused, but you can go to that place and say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, and I'm no longer in fear of that horror that took place in my life. That's That's the power of the kingdom. As Jesus launches you into ministry, it might be that God is saying, I want you to go here, I want you to go there, and you might be saying, God, I could never go there, but the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you and purpose you in a place that He wants you to go. But you see, to go to that place, there'll be grace. So, only God can lead you in that place. So, as He takes you into that place, know that He is with you, and His kingdom is coming, and His will be done. I just I just sense that the Spirit of God is raising up fearless preachers in this place. I prophesy that. God is raising up fearless men of women, are going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, they'll be sensitive to people, but they're going to just preach what God tells them to preach. And there's people here who are going to raise up great things for the kingdom. Fiona prophetically spoke over some of the artists or prayed over them prophetically earlier. There's great things coming out of this place. There's great things coming out of this well, the supernatural things. Coming out of this well. Now, some of you who've been called to see the supernatural. There's some of you who've been called to see signs, wonders, and miracles. And here's the thing: it's time to fast and pray. And you will have to do this privately, because only you can fast. No one else can fast on your behalf. Hey, John, can you fast for me? No, you can only do it yourself, sunshine. So here's the thing, you can only fast for yourself. So that birthing, some of you who've got a call and you're saying, God, you're calling me to do this, only God can birth that in you. But some of you will need to fast and pray and seek the Lord, and the Lord will birth that in you for His glory. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Come on, let's let's pray uh, all over you people here this morning. I'm just, I'm aware, actually, I was about to say I'm aware of time, but I'm not anymore. I'm just not. Uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to pray. Can we just, We'll just? we start off with a wee bit of keyboard. I, I'm the band director now, okay? So wee bit of keyboard, a wee bit of violin, then the rest of you will join in, okay? Just, just in a minute or two. So we need some, some piano. Is that okay? So we'll play the piano. Just listen, just listen. You can keep your eyes open, keep them shut. We'll just do, no pressure, Zoe. Just a wee bit of piano via our computer. It's good. And a wee bit of violin. But you're waiting on the piano playing, aren't you? You are. That's okay. That's okay. We'll just wait. And the presence of the Spirit of God is going to just fall on people this morning and God's going to do something powerful in people's lives. There's going to be a new anointing, a new breakout, a new vision, a new purpose, a new call. Things are going to break out in this room this morning. So get ready. Spirit of God, just fall upon people in this room. Jesus. Jesus.